Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 30 here in just a minute, but let me kind of recap where we are at in this collection. We began many, many weeks ago studying and looking at the King Jesus gospel. Jesus came announcing and preaching and proclaiming some, some really good news that he calls the gospel, announcing the kingdom. See, in the very beginning of time, God created all the goodness of our world, and he decided and desired and longed to be with people. And the people that God created decided they didn't want to do life on God's terms. They wanted to decide for themselves right and wrong, good and evil, and live autonomous from God. And they mutinied in a way that led them to go against the ways of God. And because of that mutiny, sin and brokenness and fractured relationships entered the world that God created that was good and wonderful and awesome and sin and evil began to deteriorate and rip apart the good that God had created. Which tells us that every time in our life we try to live life on our own terms, somewhere along the way we will experience something that reflects the curse that the world is living in. And Jesus showed up announcing a kingdom that was coming, announcing that the reign of the kingdom of darkness was coming to an end. And last week, Pastor Carrie did a brilliant job unpacking a, a section of Matthew chapter 12, and she uh, articulated really, really clearly, there are two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of darkness that is built and perpetuated and exists based on lies, that play to the disordered desires within the human soul to live by themselves as self-governing on their own, play to our own godless desires, and are normalized in a sinful world and a society, i.e. where we live today. But there was also another kingdom, a kingdom of light, a kingdom that is built on truth being announced, that shapes and transforms our hearts in a renewed new 2.0 way that allow us to live in the kingdom of God in the kingdom of light because the way of Jesus is lived out which is abnormal to the sinful society in our world it is contrary it is different it is a new way to be human and this is what Jesus came announcing and, and proclaiming that there are there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light you can't ride one, two horses with one butt. I was trying to decide how King James I wanted to go with that statement. You can't ride two horses with one backside. So you can be a participant in the kingdom of darkness where your allegiance, your affections, the priorities and the treasures that you store up in your life are in the kingdom of darkness or you are part and participant in the kingdom of light because you're hearing the truth, your heart is being changed and transformed away from the evil desires that are natural and autonomous and your own truth and your own way of living and it is moving you into the way of Jesus which brings about the kingdom of God in our world. There are two options and you can't pick both at the same time. It's one 
or the other. And Jesus came announcing these things, announcing truth, truth that was trying to reorient our understanding that God wasn't distant, God wasn't absent, but all through the story of God's people in the Old Testament, God was trying to find a man, trying to find a woman, trying to find a couple, trying to find someone who would partner with him to bring about his presence and be carriers of his presence on the earth. And all through, God would show up in a way and his presence would start to show up and then they would mutiny again and the evil desires and the enemy would slift away and it was broken again and again and God was continually trying to find people to be carriers of his good light and life that they would find the way to come and ultimately he sent his only son to be the initiator and the bearer and the uh, bridge builder and the, um, uh, 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 the, the catalyst for the beginning of a kingdom. And Jesus has been going along teaching about what that kingdom and how to have right relationship with God, teaching about what does it look like to be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven? What does that look like to be a participant in the, the, the kingdom of God? What does it look like to believe and follow and adhere to the King Jesus gospel? And he not only taught it, he not only proclaimed it, but he demonstrated it by doing some crazy, wild, miraculous things. And here we are in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is in the middle. He's already kind of had his first major sermon and, and pronounced what the kingdom looks like, taught some things. He's already for the last um, four or five chapters been demonstrating what the kingdom looks like, using specific illustrations of healing people, setting people free. In fact, here in Matthew 12, we saw last week that there was a man who was blind and mute because of the darkness of the demonic that was was causing some things what did we notice we noticed that there was a physical condition but it was being influenced and controlled because of a spiritual reality and Jesus was very very clear that the spiritual world and the physical world are not separate worlds there is only one it's here you see it in your own life you are a three-part being you have you are a spirit you have a soul, that's your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live inside of a body. It is both a physical, metaphysical, all of it all entangled together, and we just simply call it you. It's all of it. And some of it's a mess. And that's why we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, help fix this mess. Right? Like, this is what we are pursuing and seeing in the Lord and it's all linked together and Jesus had just healed this man and the Pharisees are like nah that can't be God he's got to be doing that because he's demonized himself and Jesus does a brilliant job to refute not only logically spiritually theologically and philosophically that claim and he does a brilliant job here teaching and expounding on it. And we're right in the middle of Jesus' rebuke and correcting their wrong thinking. Why? Because they were people who had heard the lies that placated to their own disordered desires that were causing them to live in a normalized, materialized, manifested, sinful society. They were thinking they were walking in the ways of God, but they were actually walking in the kingdom of darkness. And it is possible to look at something and think that must be the kingdom of God and miss it. 
Oh, that must be how God wants to do it. And miss it. And this is what Jesus is trying to unpack for them. And he says this in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 30. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working and partnering with me is actually working against me. Pause. You can't ride two horses with one butt. Jesus. Like it's, it's Jesus is telling us right there. Can't do it. There is no idol. Like, like, like neutral. There are lots of idols. That's called worshiping the wrong thing. And we'll talk about those affections in a minute. There, there is no neutral. Jesus is saying either you are working and participating and helping the kingdom of darkness, or you are working and you are participating and perpetuating the kingdom of light. It, it's one or the other. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Pause. There is a world yet to come. Revelation at the end of the book tells us that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming. And that is what eternity looks like for the follower and the believer and those who are walking in the way of Jesus. It's good news. There is a world we're living in now, but yet there is a coming world yet to come. The fullness and the fulfillment of all of the kingdom of heaven taking rule and residence and reigning on the earth where evil is vanquished, sin is demolished, and every demonic force bound up, tied up, and thrown into an eternal lake of fire we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks hold on why because jesus talked about it and we want to talk about the good news that jesus talked about so that we don't live deceived and living a life thinking we're holding a gospel that jesus actually never taught so we're starting with the gospel jesus proclaimed he goes on to say in verse 33 a tree is identified by its fruit Everybody say fruit. No, you didn't say it right. Say fruit. All right, very good. I'm just making sure you're there with me. If a tree is good, that's fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You broad of snakes. I know all of you have used that phrase this week. You're just like a common phrase that we're all using these days. What in the world was Jesus saying? Let me, let me just unpack it real quick. Broad is a word that means uh, offspring of or generation because of or fruit of. Let me say it another way. He was saying, you son of. Uh. Some of you are like, oh yeah, no, I, I did actually use that phrase. That was, I didn't mean to use that phrase, but like maybe I did use that phrase. Son of a viper. Well, what's, what is a viper? It's a kind of a, a snake. Who is the snake? Satan. He said, you son of Beelzebubs. You offspring, you spawn of Satan. Hold up. I, 
thought Jesus was tender and kind and loving and rainbows and unicorns and everybody come along. Now he's like, no, 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 listen. Y'all are a bunch of son of Satans. He goes on to say, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? And for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And a good person produces the good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. For every idle word you speak and the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. What in the world is Jesus actually saying here? Because it is, is he really saying, Pastor, that if I sit around and just shoot the breeze and talk about cattle and talk about normal things and just talking about things that really have no bearing on whatever, and, and I do that, then like I could get in trouble? Like, because, like, I've got to, like, read the Bible and only speak the Bible and thus saith the Lord and this and thou's and speak Christianese all the time. Or else, is that what he's saying? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Let me rephrase. No, that's not what he's saying. I'm confident of it. But what is he saying? What is this idea of the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Like, what is all that? And, and like, all giving an account, and he's calling people snakes and son of a Satan and all sorts of things. Like, is, is he cursing at them? Is it like, is that the only curse word we're allowed to say about people is like, call him son of Satan? And like, is that what he's doing? Like, what is happening in this passage? Let me zoom out and give us a really, really big picture of what God has been saying, what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. Here, here you go. Don't miss this. The root of a tree is the source of its fruit. Jesus isn't necessarily talking about fruit. He's actually talking about the root. What is he getting at? He's trying to help us understand that the root of a tree is the source of the fruit. In other words, if the fruit is rotten, you don't get to unilaterally decide to call it good. You don't get to redefine terms. It's good or it's, it's not good. You, you can paint the fruit all you want. But if it's bad fruit, it's still bad fruit. You could have somebody who you think is a spiritual authority standing next to your tree and life, and they tell you and try to sell and convince everyone else, no, that's totally fine. That kind of fruit, that fruit is fine. It's good, just try it, it's good, it's fine. Try it, just try it, you'll like it, it's fine. It's not rotten, it's good, it's good fruit, it's good fruit. But when they take a bite, it's still rotten. You can complain about it. You can persuade other people. You can pretend. You can think. You could try to redefine it. But bad fruit is bad fruit, and it reveals a rotten root. It reveals something that in the source of it, that, that what is being deposited, what is being fed into the tree, the nutrients of the soil are picking something up. Until you deal with the rotten root, until you deal with the little grubs that are existing around your life, sucking the good life out of the nutrients of your life that is actually producing fruit that is rotten and not good. And until you deal with what's happening on the root level, 
the fruit level is still going to be that way. Now, let me caution us with something, though. It is possible for part of a tree to have some bad fruit while still the other part of the tree has some good fruit. That's possible. But if you don't pay attention and remedy the bad fruit and the source of the bad fruit, it's only a matter of time before the rest of the tree becomes rotten as well. Which has two applications for us today. Here's one. Just because somebody in an area of their life has some things that aren't good fruit, don't reflect the life and the source of God in their life, doesn't mean you cancel them, cut the tree down, and burn it. We don't do that. Stop participating in cancel culture. Stop participating in being irate about every little thing and every little person. and every, No, no, stop it. But if at the same time, if you're someone whose fruit is bad and you're like, man, quit talking about my bad fruit. I got some other good fruit. Look how good my other fruit is. Look at this fruit. Look at this fruit. And you're trying to distract others from the bad fruit by pointing to your good fruit. Stop it and deal with the root that is producing the bad fruit. And find life and health and allow the source of God. This is such an important thing because if we're not careful, in fact, there's a thing happening right now. I don't know what it, actually, I do know what it is. I just think it's the, the lies of the enemy and his disordered desires and the sinfulness of our world. That, that cancel culture is rampant in Christianity right now where everybody feels like they need to be the one to proclaim this next person, this next ministry, this next person as a false teacher. There, there are some times where people are wrong and they just taught something wrong or they're not wrong. That's fine. And if you have a relationship, you can go and help correct that brother who has an error in what they're teaching. But scripture is really, really clear. Heresy and false teachers are those who, who, who consistently refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is the son of man and the son of God at the same time. Those who refuse to acknowledge the character and the nature of who Jesus is. Those who are like, no, I'm not, I got no time for the Father, the Son, or the Spirit. Those are false teachers. Those are the core essentials. And you can read it. The Apostle John runs extensively. Peter writes about it. And we need to be careful not to start going around and be like, just because you disagree with someone's teaching doesn't make them a false teacher and their whole tree is rotten. There's a lot of people I don't agree with in what they teach. I'm not out there calling them a bunch of false teachers. Listen, God's going to sort all that out. And just know, if someone's got a platform and they're publicizing and they're doing something, God is going to judge them more strictly than, than others. Which means, I get a stricter judgment than you get. So pray for your pastor. <laughs> Jesus wants you to know, don't miss the big picture. A tree and its fruit comes from the source, which is found in its root. In other words, Jesus is saying that when you do see fruit that's wrong, it's actually because something has been stored up in the treasures of their heart. In other words, it's like the, Jesus is kind of like calling out the Freudian slip of our spirituality. You know, where like something that you didn't want to say, like inside thoughts became outside words. And you're like, oh no, I didn't mean for that out. I didn't mean for that inside thought to become an outside word. Like this is bad. And 
The reality is it only came out because it was actually on the inside to begin with. It was already on the inside of us. He says those who are storing up from the, the treasury of a person's heart. There's a treasure chest known as your heart. And what you value, what you prioritize, and what you give your affection and your attention to are what you treasure and are putting in your heart. So if what you are giving your attention to, what you are being entertained by, if what you are giving over as your allegiance, your time management, your priorities in your life, if you are storing up the treasures of those things and they are not from the source of the truth of who God is, then it is from that treasury that is revealing what is coming out in your life. So you're like, Pastor, this doesn't sound like really good news yet. I'm really waiting for the good stuff. What, can we get to the good part? Like, just hold on, it's coming in the end. Jesus is addressing this fruit. He's talking about the source of something, the source of something. So why in the world is he talking about the source of something in connection with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? This is one of the, the most asked questions I have as a pastor. People who read the Bible and they read this and they're like, um, what exactly is that? Because like I've said some words and some things and like I'm not sure. I just need to know like did I cross that line? Because that sounds pretty intense. Like did I commit the unpardonable sin? That's what we all want to know, isn't it? Like, what's that line and where's that out? What was Jesus saying? Was Jesus saying that if you don't believe in the fullness of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, tongues and all of that stuff, if you don't believe in all of that, then, then you are committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? I, I don't think contextually that's everything that it's saying, but it definitely principally applies in some areas. Why? Because what was the context of Jesus' comments? Something powerfully miraculous took place. What was it? This man was demon-possessed, got set free, and he experienced healing physically by the power of God, delivered, healed, set free. And the, the religious people were like, that's the devil itself at work. That can't be God. I think we've got to be really, really careful when we start throwing around like that's not God and that is God. Because you're not God. You're not God. We've got we to be really, really careful. And Jesus is confronting and, and, and really combating and giving some feedback to these, to these Pharisees who are like, this is demonized, this isn't right, this isn't God's kingdom. And Jesus is like, no, you wouldn't know the kingdom of God if it bit you in the backside, boys. You missed it. You're missing it. What it... What is the blasphemy then of the Holy Spirit? If it's not that Jesus is, is really in a dialogue and a, and, a, and a long kind of response talking to them about the source of where they're coming from and the source of their heart and the roots of their lives and the heart that's inside of them. Because he doesn't want the, the two kingdoms. He, 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 Jesus said it, right? Like Satan can't cast out Satan and God can't cast out God. It don't work that way. Why? Because you're either in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. And those two things are definitely opposed and one always wins. One always wins. And Jesus is trying to get us to understand something broader about this. So, so first, let's break this down. What is blasphemy? What, what does it mean to blaspheme something? Here's another word for it. 
slander. With malice and anger in your heart, speaking against the character of someone else. Something else. Very accusatory-like. In fact, one of the nicknames for Satan is the accuser of the brothers. The accuser of the family of God. He slanders and accuses the people of God all day long. And he gets others to do it too. Mock them, make memes, do evil. And I'm not talking about like lighthearted, funny memes. I'm talking like evil, angry, malicious, slanderous things. That's what blasphemy is. Now, blasphemy itself, Jesus said, listen, you, you can deal with that. But speaking in that way against the Holy Spirit, totally different. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 speaks explicitly about the dangers of slander itself, blasphemy. Revelation 13, 5 and 6 reveal that Satan himself is a slanderer, is a blasphemer, is someone who is constantly speaking against God and the kingdom of God and the light of God, and there is a judgment that awaits him for that very thing. So the question isn't like, is it slanderous or not? The question is, what is slandering the Holy Spirit? That's what we're trying to deal with. Why is Jesus talking about it? And why is it so important? Remember, the source is the root, and that's what produces the fruit. It's about the source. So who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And why would speaking angrily in a rejected kind of a way against the person of the Holy Spirit be unforgivable? Why, why, why would that be unforgivable? Well, let's look at who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Jesus' own words in John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11 says this. And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What is the Holy Spirit's job? One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he comes to people and convinces them of some things draws them to see the right conclusions about some things. Helps people hear and their eyes be open so they can see and their mouth be released so that the darkness that was keeping them silent and the darkness that was keeping them blind is removed so that they can see Jesus as king and announce him with their mouth that he is Lord. Are you getting the link so far in Matthew chapter 12 of why Jesus healed this mute and blind man and said it was actually a, the darkness that was causing the thing and why he's talking about the need to not speak ill and slanderous of the Holy Spirit? Because what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in the world and in your life and in my life and your co-worker's life and your neighbor's life and all of our lives? What's the Holy Spirit trying to convince you that sin has absolutely deteriorated your ability to connect with God? 
He's trying to convince you that Jesus provides righteousness for you so that you can stand in proper relationship with God. And when judgment day comes, and friends, it is coming. Jesus said it's coming. There are not a lot of guarantees in this world. You have very little chance of winning the lottery. You have very little chance of your children going professional in the sports that you are running them to and from. Very little chance, statistically. You have very little statistical chance of being a millionaire by the age of 22 because you found some side hustle on the internet promising that if you do this click thing and you promote this thing and you can create this side hustle, you can be a millionaire by the age of 22. Very little chance of those things ever happening. But you know one thing that is absolutely guaranteed? One day, once Jesus has returned, before the new heavens and the earth are ushered into our reality, you, by yourself, not with your parents, not with your spouse who's a stronger believer, not with your great-grandpa who was once a Baptist minister, but you, by yourself, not with your loving pastor who stands up week after week opening scriptures to you, you will stand before God Almighty by yourself. And if you have received of the righteousness of God, you will experience a judgment based on the stewardship of your life. And if you have not received of the righteousness of Jesus, then you will stand before judgment for punishment where he is looking at your fruit of your life and saying you've lived in the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of light. And there are consequences of that decision. Okay, now can we skip to the good part, Pastor? That is part of the good part. Because as long as there's breath in your lungs and my lungs, we can hear the Spirit trying to convince us that sin is a problem and it's broken your relationship and you think you're in right relationship with God, but there's broken fruit that is providing and seen on your life where it's trying to tell you there is a source problem that you can have fixed. And he's trying to convince you, listen, 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 righteousness is available. Right standing with God is available. Not because you're good enough, smart enough, cute enough, pretty enough, and made enough money, but because you have put your allegiance and your faith into the kingdom of light instead of the kingdom of darkness. And that righteousness is available to you and when you walk into the kingdom of, of the king, when you are walking in the, 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 the King Jesus gospel, when you're walking in the kingdom of God, there is a judgment still for those of us who follow Jesus and it is an issue of stewardship. I gave you this. I helped you understand this. I put this in your hands and this in your stewardship. How did you respond to those? How did you steward those things? Is it better or is it worse? Is it closer to Jesus or is it further away? Did you multiply it? Did you grow it? Did you steward in a way that honored God according? In other words, did you walk in obedience or did you just still try to do it your own way because you were afraid to let anyone else in and you were trying to control everything instead of give it to God? We'll get to that parable in a couple weeks too. We'll talk more about it then. But the Spirit is the source who is trying to convince you and connect you 
and help you see that the enemy is going to be judged, that Satan and all of evil will be rolled and thrown up and punished as well. And so he's trying to convince you that, that when Satan tries to lie to you and say you haven't been forgiven, he reminds you that you are righteous and he tells the devil to shut up, you son of Beelzebub. You need that kind of advocate. You need that person in your life. And to blaspheme and slander and continually reject again and again and again the Holy Spirit is to live in a way that has hardened your heart, rejecting the person of the Spirit. Because here's, here's why. The Holy Spirit is the source of our repentance. And there is no way to get into the kingdom of God without repentance. This is what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is. To live in a way where you continually reject, you continually remove, you continually find yourself knowing truth, hearing truth, understanding truth, and rejecting and not responding to it. N.T. Wright says it like this, that blaspheming the Holy Spirit is like being a person living in the world where all of the water in the world is gone except one source of water. And knowing that all of the world's water supply is gone, but there is one source left of water that you need to live. But you decide and think and become convinced that that water source, source is poisoned. So in essence, you condemn yourself to die because of dehydration. To know that the Spirit is drawing you to Jesus who says, I am the living water. Anyone who drinks what I'm dropping is going to find eternal, satisfying, robust life. And to reject that again and again and again and again and to harden your heart again and again and again and to hear the truth but decide that that's not my truth. I want to live my truth. I want to live my way. I want to go with what I feel is best, what I know to be true. And that plays to your disordered desires of sinfulness and you look around society and you see everybody else is doing it that way. And this is what everybody else is doing and you decide I'm going to do this way. And you are convinced that the one thing that is actually living water is poisonous water and you end and your life ends you have cut yourself off from the source it's not that God wanted you to do that and make that decision it's that in your own free will you have made an, a conscious decision again and again and again to say I know Jesus wants to give me life I just don't want it And Jesus goes on in this passage and, and he tells two parables because the Pharisees are like, okay, fine, 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 fine. If you can't, if, if you have to have the spirit and the source is all right, we get all that, fine, fine. Show us another sign. As if blind eyes being opened and like somebody being able to talk wasn't enough. Show us a sign. Prove it to us. And Jesus said, I'm not giving this, this generation a single sign except the sign of Jonah who was in the belly of a fish for three days, delivered from the belly of the fish, 
And those who heard his story and testimony in Nineveh, they repented and were saved from destruction. Jesus said, just like that, you're getting, well, what does that have to do with anything? Everything. Because he goes on to say, the son of man will be buried into the ground for three days and three nights and will rise again. And most of you won't even believe. And he says, I'm going to do it. You're going to see it. You're going to see this sign. And then he says something really interesting. But you will refuse to repent. And then he says, and, and, and I'm coming and I'm giving you wisdom and teaching straight from God himself and the life. And I'm telling you of the kingdom. And you're hearing it. And it's greater than the wisdom that Solomon was dropping when the queen of Sheba came to him in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, whatever it is. And he, that she came to Solomon and was like, Solomon, I need, I've got some tough questions, some hard questions. And Solomon explained to her the ways of God and the truth of God and wisdom. And she was like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And, and Jesus says, Something greater than Solomon is here in front of you, teaching you truth. And he says this phrase again, but you refuse to listen. Your heart keeps getting hard. You keep saying, ah, maybe another day. Yeah, but I don't really want to give up my own life. I don't really want to give up my own way. I don't really want to. I mean, I'm hearing the truth. I'm knowing the truth. I just don't want to believe the truth. I want to reject it and I want to continue to be the Lord in my life. And you again and again are rejecting the whisper of the Spirit trying to convince you of something. And at the end you die and you stand before God in judgment. And God's like, sorry. I tried to convince you. There were signs. Most important of which... Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, and lives seated enthroned in heaven right now. And if you refuse to receive that, believe that, accept that, and you stand before God on judgment, it is unforgivable in the life and the world to come. But friends, Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us that if we are willing to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, what did Jesus say? That every word we say will be weighed in the judgment. What words might he be talking about? Well, in that last sentence in uh verse 36 it says I tell you this you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word in the Greek that's that's rhema which means revelation insight revealed truth he goes on to say but the the words or logos you say will either acquit or condemn you logos what is that the written word of God let's link Romans 10 and Matthew 12 36 and 37 together what is it Jesus is teaching us and Paul is reminding us of? If you confess with your mouth, I've seen truth, I've heard truth. Jesus has been raised from the dead. 
and you believe in your heart, there's something that you've read in scripture and it's been heard and you've heard the teaching of God and there's a belief in your heart and, and in the Jewish understanding of believing in your heart, it wasn't like, ooh, this is warm and fuzzy, I like this. This aligns with who I am and what I believe to be true. This is what I feel is right. That's not belief. You know what belief is? I've heard some things revealed and I, I, I acknowledge that's true. And I believe it so much, I'm taking a step in that direction now. I'm taking, I'm taking another step in that direction. T taking another step towards the direction of God. What, what is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind, revelation, aha, and a change of direction, belief in your heart. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is King and Lord and raised from the dead. You will be saved. This is the good news that Jesus came to proclaim. This is what he taught. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have it all together. He's just trying to get us to understand that some things matter. He's trying to get us to understand that words matter because your words reinforce your thoughts and your thoughts will direct your life in one direction towards the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. Your words matter because they reinforce your thoughts. Your thoughts direct your life and the direction of your life will reveal your allegiance, your faith your fidelity, either into Jesus as king or into the prince of the world of darkness as king. So the affections and the allegiance of your heart, it matters. So we have to be careful what we're thinking about, what we're agreeing with in our mind, and what we're saying in our mouth. These things matter. And at the end of the day, has Jesus been raised from the dead? that revelation is the spirit been drawing you and convincing you of a life that you need to live with God has the spirit been convincing you that listen you can find righteousness and healing and hope and and today is he helping you realize judgment's kind of coming but judgment was originally intended for Satan and all of his demons why because they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit they know the truth about Jesus they know he's the son of God. They know he was raised for the dead and they refuse to repent. And their fate has been sealed in this life and in the next. Jesus is giving us awareness of something. Okay, that, that's, that's cool. What's, what's, what's the good news? Here's the good news. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, all sins can be forgiven. And if there's an element of a sense of remorse, there's an element of like, I, I, I do believe this a little. I don't know that I believe all of it, but I believe some of it. Friends, you haven't crossed the line of blaspheming the Holy Spirit yet because there's still some receptivity to it. And as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's still an opportunity for you and I to walk in repentance. That's the good news. Let's stand as we come to the table of the Lord. If you would, go ahead and get the elements available to open up the bread and Hold on to it.
and then we'll, we'll take it together in a minute and you can flip it over and get the juice opened as well and just hold, hold to it tight. Here at Faith Church, we serve an open communion, which means you don't have to be a member or a partner here. We just say if you belong to the family of God or want to belong to the family of God, you can take it. And this moment of communion can be a very first act of allegiance and faith in Jesus. It can be your act of repentance. When you recognize, I want to believe and move in that direction. So you stand here. Would you just close your eyes for a second and just simply ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What is what are you doing in my heart today? Are you trying to convince me of some sin where I've been living in the kingdom of darkness, but I want to move in the kingdom of light? Maybe the Holy Spirit's been trying to remind you of your righteousness today, that you've already been forgiven. You have been saved. You are a child of God. You are one of his and he's reminding you of that so that you can continue to live in that direction some of us maybe the spirit's just reminding us of the need to remember that judgment is coming and satan has been judged and condemned and so when he's been trying to whisper to you that you're not good enough that you're not loved that you didn't work that you're not worthy enough that that Jesus will silence his mouth and the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your life and my life. What's the Spirit saying to you today? Father, as we stand here at the table with this bread, which represents your body, and this juice, which represents your blood, which brings our forgiveness to us. Lord, we're examining our own hearts and our own lives and we say, Jesus, we want to follow you today. Jesus, we want our allegiance to be yours. We want you to be the one putting the treasure in our lives and so Lord today we take this bread and we thank you for your body that was broken for us and we receive it with thanks in our hearts thinking of your sacrifice Jesus let's take the bread together and Lord we stand here with a cup which represents your blood which washes us clean forgives us removes sin and so, Lord, every time we mess up, every time we fall, and every time we feel like we haven't been enough or do enough, Lord, that we can receive your forgiveness fresh every single day and moment of the day when we repent and we bring it to you and we respond in like manner. But we thank you for your forgiveness in our lives. Let's take the juice together. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you for those that are hearing this, maybe online or even in the room, Lord, who have yet to make a decision to say, I believe in the resurrected Jesus, who, who, have, who eyes are still being opened, Lord, those who are hearing the Spirit kind of woo and beckon them, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would open their eyes and ears to fully see and have that revelation of who you are. Lord, continue to expound that in all of our lives so that we may live treasuring you more than we treasure anything else in this world. Lord, I pray bless that you would bless and keep my brothers and sisters. You would make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Jesus, that you would lift your countenance towards them and give them great 
peace and wholeness in their lives. And Lord, everywhere we go, may we be reminded this week that we are radically loved by you, Jesus, and accepted by you and forgiven by you. I pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, showing us what love looks like, and the Holy Spirit who lives and remains and abides, bringing that love about in our life, we pray. Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.